and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who likes his bread buttered and his chicken fried. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I actually like grilled chicken probably more, depending on like what we're talking, but yeah. Well, that's just you trying to be healthy as, as you approach 30, I think. You know, we got to watch the cholesterol or whatever <laughs> people start saying in their 30s. I don't quite worry about that yet, but th- that time's probably coming soon. <laughs> well, we're uh, really in the uh, lean stretch here, Cody, for the Tigers. They We talked about before how it seems like a lot of players, people around the organization are checked out. I'm guessing attendance isn't the greatest right now. I don't necessarily look at attendance numbers, but, uh, you know, from what I can gather... Uh, not, not... Weekend crowds were pretty good. There was okay. also uh, one night was, was super sparse this week, and they announced it, at, I don't know, definitely more than it actually was. Well, actually, sh- short question here. Is there more inflation in the economy or any time a team announces attendance? Because I feel like I it's almost always just astronomically inflated yeah anytime any organization (laughs) announces attendance it is fiction or uh, the tigers now do like tickets sold which i guess maybe is accurate i don't know if they pumped that up too but at least it's a reflection of like these tickets were sold probably could mean StubHub bought a million of them and they were never purchased but these this amount of tickets were sold well they find a way to make themselves look good um speaking of looking good if there is a reason to go watch the Tigers as uh, as they carry out the rest of the season, one Riley Green would be a uh, be a big reason. We talk a lot top about of the list. top of the list. I mean, we talk a lot about his hitting and like his charisma and having him, you know, where should, should he be in the order? And and then we always kind of say like, okay, you know, good fielder. Then he starts making these plays over and over, uh, these highlight reel plays that. They're the ones that you send buddies in a group in your group message on Twitter. It's like you know if they're not like a Tigers fan, it's like oh, Riley Green made made another play, made another play, and you wrote about that this week. Um, it's funny when I went to see the Tigers and the Rangers play. I was watching him between pitches more than anybody else for you know obvious reasons, and I did come away impressed with how locked in he was, always checking his card and you know, on the balls of his feet as every pitch approaches. And, you know, he just, you know, he looked ready. He looked really engaged. And, and as an outfielder, you know, that's not necessarily the easiest thing because you're not always getting a whole lot of action, right? And so the, so to see that with my own eyes and then to read your story, uh, it's no accident. Like, this is something that he works at on at seemingly on the same level that he works on hitting, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember hearing the story in spring training. The Tigers had this big presentation. Arnie Baylor was the one who did it about pre-pitch preparation. And, you know, AJ was kind of there. This was still minor league minicamp. And he's like, Riley, what do, what do you do before the pitch? And Riley's like, uh, now that I think about it, I have no idea. <laughs> and credit to Riley, him being an astute student of the game, goes back, looks at his own film to see what he does. Realize he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He comes up to the coaches later. They had also looked and they were kind of like, yeah, you don't do anything. And he goes, yeah, I know, but I need to. So so what are we talking about? So super subtle stuff, nothing exciting, but little things like you said, being on the balls of your feet, getting your body going, 
thinking about the batter, the situation, your positioning, where the ball could be hit, anticipating um, things that on the surface you think would be a no-brainer at the MLB level. Uh, this isn't, you know, T-ball and kids mm-hmm. picking daisies in the outfield, but like it's still the Tigers showed video and there was dudes, you know, standing straight up or hands on their knees or to actually be locked in through every pitch in an MLB game can be tough. But it is those first, you know, I think AJ likes to say the first three seconds, the first six feet are often the most important in terms of tracking down a ball. And that's an area where the metrics show Riley Green has really excelled overall. Still a little small sample to gather metrically. You know, he's grading out about average in center field, uh, but his his jumps are above average. His routes actually can still improve a little bit based on stat cast, but I think uh, the, the numbers reflect that he does, he's doing these little things as well as anyone, and I feel like I've kind of been writing about this for a while now, but I think as much as the sheer talent, this is the stuff that can make Riley Green a great player. He's uh, he's He's got a great baseball IQ and, and puts in the work. He's made himself into a good outfielder. He's not naturally fast, but he has made himself into the fielder he is. I mean, is it possible that we're just gonna we're just gonna assume like, all right, eventually he'll be in a corner, eventually he'll be in a, eventually, and he'll be like five years later, and he's still in center field. Like, is that like, is he, is there, should we be more open to it? Because we, because like I said, it's just an assumption. I'm guilty of it, but if if you as you're trying to rebuild a team, maybe don't go looking for a hole that doesn't necessarily exist. You know, maybe that like uh, yeah, that, that for the next GM, you know, but uh, maybe maybe I'm just too yeah, narrow minded on it. Th- th- that's tough to say. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on the construction of your roster and who else is out there, who else is is available. I think in an ideal world, you know, you would love to have a, a Gold Glove caliber guy in center. Is that going to be Riley? I don't know. Dude's got a flair for some highlight plays. He makes some plays not everyone can make. Still, right now, the numbers on the surface, I think he's at, like, one out above average and zero, you know, even defensive runs saved. So, you know, does that increase with time? Hard to say. Um, I think certainly he's showing, hey, he can handle center field in Comerica Park. Uh, So for the duration of his 20s, I wouldn't feel bad about having him out there. I still think, you know, that he moves to a corner, then you start talking he could legit win a gold glove in a corner. Uh, but it's it, that's a move you only make if you have someone better, you know, in center field, which is kind of hard to find. You know, it's funny. We live in sort of like a weird era of guys who spend, I don't know, a decent amount of time, not necessarily everyday starters, but Aaron Judge plays center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, Gallo's gotten some center field time. Uh, I don't know if the Dodgers are using him there, but, you know, throughout his career he's been – well, you Cody know, Bellinger is a big, center field big center and, fielder too. Yeah, yeah, and maybe some of that stuff gets a, you know, the speed and and maybe like the pure athleticism element gets neutralizer and things are on a more even playing field with with the uh, the shifts and the pitch calm, knowing what the you know what the pitch is and all that stuff. Which you said Green War. I did not know that and. That's something that uh, I don't know. I found neat and intriguing because it, to to me that's sort of like a sign of uh, like trust, you know, like to 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 
basically have him get that information too like that that'll help you stay engaged uh to me that i always kind of think like you know you build your teams up the middle right we've talked about that before and to me that signals that he's like even more of a pillar they trust him like intangible wise as opposed to just hoping that he you know plays well yeah ideally you want the center fielder to be the the quote-unquote captain of the outfield and i think that is certainly part of it. Riley seems to embrace little things like that. Having the pitch common in his ear, up to three fielders can can wear that. Uh, for anyone who is wondering, generally it's shortstop, second base, center field. You know, uh, I, I got a great question, which was like, could could this be like the next level of pitch tipping? Teams look, oh, if Riley Green took, <laughs> takes two steps to the left and one step back, it's going to be a slider. And I was like, man, I have no idea, but I wouldn't be shocked if there are teams uh, starting to look at stuff like that. I mean, that that goes to show you the layers of the game that the general public uh, generally has no idea about, even that, you know, from my seat is really, really tough to pick up. But um, bottom line here, Riley Green, smart baseball player, and, and I think that's going to bode very, very well for his future. And we're still... We're still in the in the boat of he's young enough. They don't have to necessarily be concerned with what he's putting his body through. I mean, there was what was it last week, two weeks ago, where he went in, right into the uh, right into the electronic scoreboard there in right center. Uh, that didn't look very fun. <laughs> you know, I saw him get caught on the wall in, in Texas, and and of course these dives are not okay. I guess I'm gonna die. These are like Superman dives, and. Uh, to me, those things kind of make me a little bit uneasy. But it seems like I think I think the quote for AJ from AJ in your story was something to the effect of uh, "You can't play this game scared" or you know something like that. You just kind of have to go all out, and that's what he does. But it does make me nervous. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime a star player is hitting the ground, it's fair to be nervous. But I don't like I'm imagine you're AJ or you're a coach. What do you tell him? Oh, don't, don't dive. Don't make the play. <laughs> you you want to risk maybe the chance, maybe this dude hurts or you just, Oh, well, we'll just give up that double. Cause we don't want you to dive. If you're an athlete, you're a player, you're tracking down. It's hard to, it's hard to stop yourself. Heck, sometimes you probably get hurt trying to stop yourself going full speed than you could diving. I think that's a really tough thing to do to ask any athlete to, slow it down um if you're if you're talking like football and a scrambling quarterback and like okay maybe slide a little more or get out of bounds that's one thing but um to basically say oh don't go all out for this play uh, when especially in a situation like this where there is a consequence if you do not go out that affects your team and your teammates and your pitchers era uh let the guy go all out and and um you know what does that look like in 10 years uh, I don't know. Some guys hold up, some guys don't, and that's that's the, that's the game. That I just think it's part of the game. Yeah, and it's random. You know, he could be just one of those guys that it doesn't necessarily affect him as much as you know other ones that uh, maybe are better looking athletes. If that makes sense, you know, it's 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 a funny thing. Uh, well, okay, so for the year, we'll go to his hitting for a second. He's batting two fifty three. He's got a 317 uh, on base, slugging 367, five home runs. Now, what are we? It seems like he's battled through some stuff. Like, what are we, what are we thinking? Uh, uh, assessing him at the plate through 316 at bats. Yeah, sheer numbers wise, it's not amazing, but it, he's also 
arguably the most productive hitter on, on this very bad team already. And I think what's most impressive is I just see a guy who's checking all the boxes that, that can give you faith he's going to continue to improve. He went through a spell where he was really struggling. All right, he came out on the other side of that. He, uh, he limited the chase a little bit. He cut down the swing and miss a little bit. Um, he generally seems to have a really good plan at the plate. We've seen him uh, battle in two strike counts. I mean, there was a there was a ball the other night against the Astros. Uh, I think I don't remember if it was Presley pitching, but whoever it was threw him like three straight 97s. And then he gets a slider, and Green fouled off the slider. He almost hit it. You know, it was almost like a double down the line. It ended up being foul. But I just thought it was really impressive that he was able to stay on that slider. Um, in a tough count, it was a good slider, got in on his hands, Riley put a good swing on it. There are a lot of little things when you watch this guy at the plate, he's shown he can work some walks, um, that, that gives me a lot of encouragement, and he always seems confident, whereas honestly, we've seen Torkelson kind of waver, and sometimes it's just hard to, like, Riley, even when he's struggling, he just, it seems like he thinks he can get a hit, and watching him, like, Every time he steps up there, like it's a, it's a must watch. Like, all right, what's Riley going to do this AB? And um, I, I don't think it's hard to envision him re- really flourishing with a little more time in the major leagues. Well, you know, I'll tell you what would help him flourish is if he could hit a ball 424 feet and it not be caught. <laughs> I think that would be uh, that would be you know good for the bottom line for everybody. Uh, that was heartbreaking, especially the uh, the situation of which it happened. And, of course, I feel like we kind of do this a lot, but we're going to continue to do it until something changes, I would say. The Comerica Park conversation. Uh, you talked about part of the element of your story was, you know, it's a big center field over there, and, you, you know, and he, he's proven that he can handle it. But... Uh, who was it? Uh, Chris Bukowski for the Detroit News wrote. He talked to Eric Haas at length. I, it was kind of, I, I kind of chuckled. Eric was, you know, very forthright and you know engaging. And he obviously knew what he was talking about, but it, so he's saying that something needed to change with the dimensions of Comerica Park, which uh, it's kind, it's kind of weird to like kind of tell your boss that like you got to do something different, you know, like when you're <laughs> when you're a, I'm not trying to be mean here, but, you know, somewhat of a borderline major league player. We don't know, how, or at least guy on this team, we don't know how long that's going to last. But it's kind of funny to hear him say that, like, yeah, like the owner needs to spend this many much, this much money in order to fix this problem on the field. But it's a popular conversation topic, and it's kind of universally, consi- like, I'm not sure if there's really anybody prominent who's saying, like, nah, the field is fine. Like there's, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, it's kind of a one-sided deal and I kind of want to say the field is fine. I'll be honest. I kind of want to, like, if this is Comerica Park, this is what's unique about it. Then, you know, I, I'm a big fan of ballparks having like a unique flavor and, and that's part of it, but it's an offensive game and you've got two young hitters trying to find their way and torque and green and plus i the re okay so the, i'm kind of scrambling my thoughts here 
Chris brought up, like, is it counterintuitive to bring fences in, essentially, when the rebuild is centered on pitching? And to be honest, like, it's a good point, but my first thought is, uh, I don't think we can really kind of operate that way anymore, you know, if you're the Tigers. Your more promising prospects are your hitters, your, when I say prospects, I mean guys that have, you know, come up in the past uh, year or two. And then the pitchers are getting hurt. So, like, I don't know if that really should be taken into consideration, but it is kind of ironic uh, that that would, that would be the case. Have you yourself kind of landed on what you make of the Comerica Park? Like, are, are we reaching a boiling point? Do you believe the dimensions should be, you know, brought in a little bit more? How is it 420 feet to center when the ball is caught 424 feet? Uh, you know, have you come up with any answers of your own on this? Yeah, I don't remember exactly everything I said this offseason when I wrote about it because the Tigers indeed, there's been some level of internal discussions that, that seem to get a little more serious um, really around this time last year about bringing in defenses. Um, that is yet to happen, of course. And generally, I've never been huge on, oh, the, the, the ballpark's too deep, like, it's easy to bitch and moan about stuff, and, and sometimes it sucks. But again, I yeah, I think that's what makes Comerica Comerica. The longer I've watched it, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind, like, bring everything in, like, 10 feet or so. I, you know, or, or center, or get rid of the, the angle in right field. I wouldn't hate that. I get it. At the same time, there's still so much, really, misinformation that goes on here. Like, oh, it's impossible to hit in Comerica Park. It's not true. America ranks 24th uh, in terms of park factor or run scoring this season. Below it, City Field, Bush Stadium, T-Mobile Park, Petco Park. There are playoff teams who play in what have technically been more pitchers' parks this season. America has ranked um, average or above in terms of park factor in, I think, 12 of its 22 years of existence. Now, what it is bad for is home run hitters. It ranks last um, in terms of home runs this year and most years tends to be, uh, well below average, but it's really just center and that part of deep right center that are difficult. It's not so much the whole ballpark. Um, so I think it can be greatly overblown. I think there are a couple lines in that Chris story that I'm not sure were entirely, uh, supported by data. Like, Oh, Miguel would easily be approaching, you know, however many home runs, uh, if you didn't play in Comerica, I'd, like, I don't know, you can look at different stats, and maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Um, the simple, like, neutralized batting doesn't necessarily suggest that. I just, yeah, I just put it, like, you'd have 506 home runs if he played in Seattle in 2010. Let's see, what's a, what's a hitter's park? Let's say Texas Rangers 2003. Miguel played every game of his career, the ballpark in Arlington in 2003. This is based less on like actual batted balls and more just numbers and park factor. All right, he'd have 577, so, you know, maybe a little bit. He'd have more. I don't think he'd have 700 home runs if he didn't play in Comerica. Uh, the pitching thing, yeah, I, look, I think that's out the window. Your, your young pitchers are on <laughs> The Braves got Spencer Strider, who has done more in the fifth round than uh, he's done more than any of your young pitchers have. Uh, now suddenly your hope is kind of on young hitters. 
Anyway, that's a long way to say, I don't know. I kind of get sick of this conversation. If you want to move it in, cool. I got no problem with that at the same time. We always have to be complaining about it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of aligned with you on that. To, to me, to me, it's just low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And I just don't... I I just don't think that should be like as much of a focal point as it is. And because, I mean, we talked about this too, climate, how much does that have to do with it in April? You know, like if Miguel Cabrera played every game in a dome, how would that, you know, change things, you know? So there's a lot more to it than that. The numbers are a lot more neutral, like you said, a lot more neutral than what public conversation would have you think. We always talk about the hitters. Have any of the Tigers pitchers over the years like talked about loving playing there, or or is there is uh, what do the pitchers think? I, I'd be curious about that. Has anyone bothered asking them? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they've been asked before, and you always hear pitchers occasionally like, "Oh, luckily we have a great ballpark or whatever." And it's like, well, I, sometimes it helps you preventing home runs. You also have these massive gaps, and there's tons of room for balls to fall in the outfield. So again, the sheer data says it's not always a, a, a true pitcher's park at all yeah i don't know well speaking of pitchers we have a final tally for jackson job in his uh, first professional season i think he should be in the top 100 cody i think he's a top 100 guy he is we we have moved him out of keith law's top 100 and he is all the <laughs> way back in keith law's top 100 after credit to Jackson Job, who, who I guess I've been like somewhat critical, or not critical of him, but the Tigers, obviously. Uh, really strong finish to the season, and, and when did it at the high level, seemed to make some big strides in his game. It's very encouraging after a little bit of a, a rocky start to the year. Yeah, so 3.94 ERA, um, 81 strikeouts, and just over 77 innings of work. Uh, he... Did a Q and A with FanGraphs, and you, I could, I could just tell reading this. I was like, man, he's still like nineteen, twenty, you know, however old he is, <laughs> because he's, he's just like talking about things that no like seasoned professional athlete would like be like that, would disclose that much. You know, he's talking about how his fastball was flat, and he's like, I do this, my grip is this, my curveball is, what he say? He said my. Uh, my slider is a curveball sometimes, and it's like a slurve, and he's like going all in. This, the guy asked him if he had visions of being uh, Shohei Otani. Like, could he play? Uh, <laughs> could he? Could he pitch and hit? Which you know, I'm a big fan of not counting the chickens before they hatch. You know, so <laughs> let's let's worry about the pitching part before we decide whether he can uh, go go hit the baseball. But. Uh, as scrutinized as he is, and you know, anytime he had a bad outing, it just felt like a huge lamenting of Tiger's Twitter. So, credit to him being obviously a very young man, very new professional, full time pitcher going on year three now, I believe. So, credit to him for overcoming that. And what are we looking at? We're looking at maybe like a 2024 call up. Is that realistic, or are we gonna or are we push that down? 20. I think he's listed as like 25. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah. Now, now we're counting the chickens before they hatch. He's pitched all of 15 innings above low <laughs> A, so I have no idea. Uh, I, I do think it's an interesting conversation. Did he show enough that you just start him in Erie next season, or do you bring him back to 
West Michigan. I mean, there's a world where if you start to get a little more aggressive, he's, he's going to be 20 years old, so I'd almost caution against it, but start him in double A, like, yeah, 2024 is not out of the question at all. Um, if things continue to go well, if he stays healthy there, I I'm just done guessing anything about, uh, uh, pitching prospects, really good story on the Royals rebuild by three former Royals beat writers on the athletic. And it, it mentioned the old adage, like you have to have 10 pitching prospects to get one, or there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Um, not entirely true, but uh, gosh, after the way this rebuild is going, you can, can see why people think that way. And, uh, I think still need to see Jackson Job tested at the higher levels a little bit, really strong finish to the year. Um, probably a bright future ahead, but let's see how next year goes before we make any declarations. Here's your uh, semi-quarterly update on Marcelo Meyer. Bit 280 this year with 13 home runs, 17 uh, stolen bases, 17 stolen bases, 53 ribbies, uh, almost basically 400 on base. So he's off to... Yeah, you'd still feel pretty good about having that guy in your system right now. <laughs> a shortstop? Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, we also got, that's yeah, kind of like a young prospect podcast, but I guess what, what can you do when, uh, when, when the state of the team is this? Got to see Jace Young this week get introduced, I guess, formally introduced uh, as a Tiger. It's kind of awkward when... Uh, the guy who selects you is like no longer with the team like six weeks later or whatever you know that's kind of it's kind of weird for the press conference i would say but you know stuff happens sometimes uh i know you had been around him before and and you've got a a story you've been working on but kind of observing jace the first round pick in uh in major league in a in a major league setting, what what'd you kinda what'd you kinda think from him? Yeah, I mean he's a good kid. You can tell he's a, a college kid, a little more matured, acts like he belongs, didn't seem at all daunted by the setting. I'm not gonna analyze his Comerica Park batting practice because that would be <laughs> stupid. But generally, you know, good vibe, good personality. I, I like what I've seen from him so far. Um, never fully got going down in West Michigan, the one game I went and saw, you know, for the most part, I saw good things. I think he was hitting, what, 232, but pretty good on base numbers. He only hit one homer. Um, obviously, a really difficult summer, uh, just a long season for the kid, and actually different now that the draft is in July. Rather than playing nonstop, he played a long, hard college season, stopped for almost two months, then, oh, hey, go play pro ball for the first time in your life. Um, I know he had a little bit of a knee injury in the spring. He said that's not still bothering him, but uh, I heard from a couple of people like it'll probably be good for him to reset and get healthy and get his lower half back in sync. Um, so overall, no huge takeaways from Jace Young's appearance at Comerica Park. Uh, it wasn't a train wreck, so uh, <laughs> as long as it's not a train wreck, you know, thumbs up here. You know, I was. Uh, by the way, side note. Sometimes gambling is okay in baseball, I guess. Right. <laughs> and even sort of skewing the rules of said gambling contest uh, in favor of you. You guys heard or read the uh, special Torkelson uh, anecdote with Jace when he's doing batting practice. You know, the the swing or the, the way he handles the bat, 
yeah, watching it like consecutively like that, it didn't really bug me as much as we like it was like a talking point uh, mm-hmm. when when he was you know being evaluated as a prospect because a lot of that stuff you know it's where it's basically just a it seemed like it was just a mechanism to keep his hands high as much as uh, anything else like well, it's it's more about the bat path yeah well yeah bat path yeah yeah so like because that kind of stuff it all kind of as long as everything's in the right place when you stride, like it doesn't, all that other stuff doesn't really even matter. You know, it's just kind of like a comfort thing. I don't know. It didn't. Uh, no. Yeah. That's definitely true. It's where's he at at foot strike? Where's he at, you know, after he loads. And again, we have all this technology, all this data. No one can agree on the right way to hit. You know, Javi <laughs> Baez gripping the bat like Ty Cobb and, and finally getting hot this year. So we, nobody actually knows anything about the best way to hit. Well, speaking of Javi Baez, uh, is he playing a trick on us? Like, is he going to, like, finish the season, like, performing well and kind of give us hope of, you know, what what he could be, like, for a whole season next year? And then the articles start out about it was just a whirlwind with the lockout and then, you know, like, you know, free agent, for, you know, first time in free agency and... You know, it's just his life was just you know it's, it's so much up the air, and you know like we is this like the third spring training article that I'm predicting that will come out uh, <laughs> next year because no you're you're spot on. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably write something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, there there's some I don't do. I'm not gonna say Miguel Cabrera is in the best shape <laughs> of his life and is gonna have a bounce back, but I, look, Javi Baez is on a freaking tear right now. He's in. 270 plus since the all-star break he's been a top 10 shortstop offensively since june 18th and he is hitting over 370 in the month of (laughs) september his numbers are getting pretty juiced to the point that on his baseball card it's gonna look like oh he just had a little bit of a power dip in in 2022 it's all it's gonna look like you know there's a lot of context that's not gonna show up in those numbers but that's the type of year he's having. Uh, he's going to lead this team in wins above replacement. And at the end of the year, you know, I'm going to have to vote on Tiger of the Year. I don't really think Javi Baez deserves it, but no one else does. So if we're just going on war, Javi Baez might be the Tiger of the Year, uh, which is going to piss a lot of fans off. But I would also say, let's be realistic. Let's look at the numbers. As infuriating as Baez is, he has not been as bad as it feels uh, give him credit for hitting the ball the opposite way a lot in the past month. Um, Baez is always going to be up and down. I've said that since the day they signed him. This is what you sign up for. It's been even more dramatic than what they signed up for. Um, but I think there is hope that the next you know five years aren't a complete <laughs> wash, that Baez can be can be a really good uh, shortstop at this level. Now the errors, the throwing errors, that's a that's another that's a whole different conversation. You want you got to clean that up. The outs on the bases, that's not good. But bottom line, we're we're getting the full Javi Baez experience. Unfortunately, it took until the final month of the season uh, for so many of the good reminders and, and just the sheer numbers to to look better after what's obviously been a, a tough introduction between Javi and Tigers fans. Well, look, you know, we 
kind of dogged him a little bit last week when I, you know, said he's like, you know, magic and magic is BS, you know. So in this, you know, <laughs> in the spirit of, you know, being fair, you know, we we have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it that it's a thing. Uh, obviously, you you and I both are people that don't believe in like carryover from year to year, like momentum that that type of thing. But I mean, there are there you can't talk yourself into it, and that is quintessential. Well, it's another reminder that you know we ride these ups and downs, and what really matters is the big picture of 162 games, and and in terms of the math and the projections, it doesn't really matter when you get hot and when you get cold, as long as you, as long as you balance those out through the course of the season. Um, you know, I felt kind of dumb. I asked AJ some question this week, just like how important of an evaluation time is this for your, your corner outfielders? Cause it's kind of unclear how, or if any of these guys fit, you know, he went on, well, you know, we want to look at everybody, but a good 10, day, 10 days doesn't mean you're penciled in for next season. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. He thought I was asking, like, about momentum carrying <laughs> over into that. Because I don't – I know that is complete fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but, th- yeah, th- I, does this momentum carry over for Javi Baez? Maybe it doesn't mean he's going to come roaring out of the gates next year. But I think it is a reminder that is for much as much as we ride these waves, Javi Baez still a pretty good baseball player. You know, it's, You'd it, like him to be better. You'd like certain <laughs> things to be different. And this organization says something. It's like, this is this is what you get. This is what you paid for. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, he's been as advertised uh, in, in, in the good and the bad. Uh, is there any – do we just chalk up, like, the fundamental throwing errors to just lapses in concentration or is – I mean, I I hate to use the word laziness because of how that can like be interpreted, but it's not that he's lazy and that he doesn't care, but he's gotten lazy with his feet um, a, a lot throughout the course of the season. A bad throw generally starts with bad feet, and a lot of times he doesn't have his momentum going toward first, or he, you can just tell he kind of uh, halfway does his footwork. That's led to a lot of bad throws. I know that that has been talked about. And, and pounded by the coaching staff. I've seen him do a better job lately in terms of just shuffling his feet toward first base. He's still sailed a few throws high, so uh, I don't know that there's like an as easy of a mechanical explanation, but generally I think it's kind of bad habits, the, the things you might expect from a guy like Javi, who's such a natural talent. Maybe he doesn't always fully concentrate on, on the tiniest uh, details of infield play. Well, since you brought up the corner outfielders, uh, you know what do you what do you, what, what do you make of of that situation? Okay, so Riley Green's going to be your center fielder next year, I guess. Uh, Austin Meadows will return. He's a left-handed bat, and then you have Kerry Carpenter, Willie Castro, Akil Badu. Uh, who else? I feel <laughs> feel like there's someone else. Yeah. Cody Clemens has played a little bit of outfield. You have all these guys that's like. Victor Reyes. Well, Victor Victor Reyes. That's that's the guy we always forget is Victor Reyes, who is probably has the best case of any of these guys to be like the fourth outfielder. Uh, so if I'm the new GM and I'm coming in and I'm looking at these guys, I'm like, I'm kind of I I might be throwing my hands up if if you have never if you have no emotional attachments to these players, be like, okay, we're like Akil, go put him in AAA. Kerry Carpenter, he had a cool year, cool, he's gonna be in AAA. And I'm like, let's go get some dudes who aren't maybes who are proven big leaguers uh i think you got to sign one corner outfielder and so if you go 
Green Meadows, a right-handed hitter. I don't know who that is, but a right-handed hitter. And then Reyes uh, with Badu and Carpenter kind of in the waiting. Well, I, I looked up Willie Castro's career stats today, man. He has, he has over a 1,000 plate appearance in his career now. He's got like an 84 WRC+. Plus. He, his walk rate's 4.7%. Like, So if I'm the new GM, I'm like, we don't have to pretend Willie Castro is good. He's had a thousand plate appearances. He's a below average hitter. That doesn't even begin like with whatever we think he is as an outfielder. So again, that's a long-winded way of saying I don't know. I don't. I I think the Tigers have to stop wasting time on any of these dudes. If there's one guy who's still giving me hope, though, I have liked seeing what Akil Badu has been has been doing. He's reminding you, man, if he can if he can get comfortable at the plate, there's definitely a spot for Akil on this team or in any organization. It's been a really tough year, but uh, he's he's looked more like himself after three to four months of being like, do, do you remember what sport we're playing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, what? so go into detail a little bit more on that because I think we're all, how I best phrase this, like our first impressions, and I don't mean first impressions like overall, but like first impressions like like of the season kind of linger in our minds mm-hmm. automatically right so so badu starts off terribly you know goes down comes back up starts off terribly again <laughs> uh and we're that's really i think what people are going to re- remember his 2022 season as and that's not necessarily to say yeah, that's, that's not pretty true, much the story of his but season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so is there anything that we need to kind of correct our minds on with, with Badu? If if are he is he doing some little things that are sustainable or that can help lead to some some form of success? Uh, I just think we're 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 reminded he what a threat he can be on the base paths, what a disruptor he can be if he is getting on base. That's the big question: Is he going to be able to get on base? His swing has been really funky. It's kind of taken a couple different forms this year. It's finally looking more normal, more athletic, more natural. So if anything, that's what stands out. He just looks comfortable in the batter's box. Uh, I think his bat path, he, he went for a while. He's really chopping down, and then he was uppercutting. He, like, overcorrected. Now it looks like he's just out there swinging the bat. So I hope Akil is able to bring that swing into um next spring training because if he can just get on base uh he can do some really nice things for you yeah and if we're kind of you know big big picture you're talking about and then also like full context it kind of if you can stay that engaged if you can focus on all these little things that you know let's be honest you know that part's not necessarily the fun part about being a professional ball player right all the video study and just like trying to focus on one little thing at a time master that move on to the next if you can do that in the midst of this season and in the midst of the struggles that you've had if i'm looking at things to feel good about or talk myself into something those are the kind of things that uh that that make me feel encouraged only probably and you know not necessarily specific to him just to be disappointed uh because that- well, again that's where like where i really follow on all this is like tigers have got to be done with just giving guys extended tryouts with giving guys extended chances um i think if you want at all to 
like it's an interesting argument again about 2023 do you just continue to trot out the young guys and basically say yeah we're we're just kind of building toward the future again or do you i don't know sign some guys on one-year deals some veterans who you think are major league players and uh have the other guys on call in triple a if i'm a gm trying to go 500 next year I, i i'm taking the second option and hoping i still you know, can build that sort of roster without actually sacrificing the future. But the people who make those decisions get paid a lot more than I do. Yeah, and we have a lot, a lot of time to kind of figure out what the best like lane to be in for uh, for next season. But I'll just repeat it. It would help if they we can begin talking about that when they hire a GM. I don't know when they're going to hire a GM. I do know Ken Rosenthal will have an interesting note in his Monday column about Josh Burns, who we discussed at length um, last week. One of the points we made last week, Burns has been a GM twice before. He was fired twice before. Uh, Ken Rosenthal's reporting, it's important for Josh Burns to really get a feel for the owner. Almost feels like maybe he was kind of burned a couple times. Uh, maybe didn't get the right mm-hmm. payroll or just didn't get a long enough leash in both Arizona and San Diego. So as much as the Tigers and Chris Illich might be looking at Burns, um, if they are looking at him that in, in depth, uh, for Burns to leave his post in L.A., he's going to have to feel good about the owner. Um, so I don't know what that means or how Josh Burns might feel about Chris Illich. I just know it's important He's not going to be trying to leap at this job unless he really yeah. thinks it's a uh, safe and healthy situation. Well, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in the world because his next GM job, should he get one, his next GM job is going to be his last in one way or another. You know, you're not, you don't get a, you don't, yeah, you don't get absolutely. a fourth try typically. And, you know, if we're kind of reading tea leaves or looking at, in between the lines on things, I would probably say that if knowing what that you just said, if he were to take the Tigers job, that probably means that there was a nice sell job by Hinch about Chris Illich, right? And that would indicate to me at least that Illich and Hinch have a good relationship. You know what I mean? Like that—that that would that would almost be the biggest sign of how AJ feels about <laughs> about Chris is if he got—I don't know if they're buddies, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, got his buddy to oh, they're, okay, they're yeah, buddies, okay, so yeah. he got his buddy to come too. And knowing what you just said, it's like the guy has to be sold so, on the owner. Yeah, so we'll see. Another name I want to keep an eye on: Thad Levine, uh, mm-hmm. GM over at the Twins, works under Derek Falvey. Not sure, you know, if there's interest or contact but just a name that kind of popped up um i like thad levine a lot i think there are less uh conflicts of interest there i think uh that's a name i would feel pretty good about so we'll see how this search progresses wouldn't be shocked if things start heating up here pretty soon yeah i mean the uh you know the speculation of by the end of the month is I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying that would be pretty quickly. Maybe, maybe. I don't know that things better heat up quickly if it's going to happen by the end of the month. I, it's 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 actually been despite all I just said, it's been really quiet the past few days. Which maybe sometimes that means things are going on. I don't know how. How much of here? Here's a little like little insider reporter question. How 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 much information regarding this search 
has just kind of been said that obviously you're not printing, you're not saying on here because it's not credible or not multi-source. So you, your actual journalism, like how much noise has there been just in general over the past, I don't know, five weeks? Uh, not a lot, not a lot less than probably a normal search. I think the Tigers um, and Chris Illich, I mean, Illich is known for keeping things close to the vest and think about it. Who else do you have really, really in on this? It's Illich and it's, and it's AJ and AJ, I think is aware of that. And so he's also been pretty tight lipped about, um, specifics. He's really good about talking about it without actually talking about it. Um, I've, I've heard that from like a couple different people in the league too. Uh, I think it's been almost abnormally, quiet which you could say credit to them for keeping it quiet or maybe you could say that means things are progressing slowly i'm not sure pretty much everything i know or feel good enough about to to repeat it all like i've said on here so which isn't actually a ton again is there going to be higher by the end of the month if i'm honest i have no idea no idea maybe that means i'm bad (laughs) at my job no i mean that it's one of like the whole keeping it close to the best thing is like it's a double-edged sword because in theory I think it might be good for the franchise to get you know some publicity about like rumors who they might like hire as a next GM you know get be in the national conversation a little bit uh, as an organ like if I were in one of the higher ups of an organization obviously you know I, I wouldn't probably think that like i would want to keep everything close to the vest too and i guess if there's one thing chris is great at it's uh no one really knowing who he really is and (laughs) and what he's thinking and you know what moves uh are are gonna be made so i don't know that the tigers because of their record and because we're i guess far enough removed from the uh banging trash can scandal that like they're just not it doesn't feel like they're as rel- that not that relevant you know so it, oh nationally how many national reporters are writing about this gm search none of them maybe there's a little note here or there but it's unfortunately it has not been a huge topic of discussion yeah and you know i would it's because that's because we're in september and there are mm-hmm. playoff races and a great mvp race and tigers are just out of out of the picture speaking of awards though do you know what your vote like what your uh award your manager of the year i don't get to vote for anything cool <laughs> i guess i gotta have more seniority there so manager of the year um which is an interesting debate brandon hyde's kind of the hot name uh i think i'm not allowed to say who i'm voting for until like the votes are cast or collected or something i don't know um I'm not sure if I want to vote for someone who still does, you know, if they're not a playoff team when there are other candidates such as Terry Francona, who's going to win the division with a team that no one expected to do much. Uh, Brandon Hyde's done a terrific, terrific job. You get to list three, like he, he's going to be on my top three. I'm not sure uh, what order I will vote in, though. All right. And manager of the year, of course, the the most intangible of these awards. What do you, what do you, it's just based on who exceeded expectations, basically. Yeah, or just, you know, best record, like, if you wanted to, you know. Or best record. Like, yeah, if Aaron Boone, if the Yankees would have, like, continued their first half pace and won 118 games and just dominated everyone, then, like, well, I think Aaron Boone's probably deserving. If the Yankees 
kind of peter out and still win the division, but is uninspiring. I think everyone's like, oh, all right, Aaron Boone's manager of the Yankees. He's not going to get it, you know. <laughs> so most intang. Did you say? Did you say intangibly? Is that what the word used, or just in- most in- intangible? Uh, no. I was hoping you yeah, made up a word. What are you basing? I was hoping on? you made up a word there, be like, as I that that would have been a nice little turning the corner ism. Most intangibly <laughs> award. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Uh, I wouldn't be using an adverb in that, <laughs> in that, in that sense. Well, and if you guys hear chaos, the animals are getting fed. So, last little kind of news item of the week was we got official word that Bo Brisky is being shut down. Uh, what was it? Right forearm tightness is that the official declaration? Uh, obviously, very nerve uh, nerve wracking thing to to read and to hear, given the. Well, no, it's less, it's less, he's, it's not him being shut down because of injury. It's more like, we're not going to ramp you back up for like one start. We're just going to call this thing good. That's a more accurate okay. way of like looking at it. I don't think there was another setback with his injury. I think his arm's fine. He threw a bullpen. He was throwing 92, 93 in the pin. And they kind of continued to talk about it. And it was like, there's... Like, it probably only creates more risk factors if, oh, let's send him out there and expect him to go, you know, a, a full start once, and then, it, like, then he's like, what is it good for type deal? That's that's exactly what, what happened, yeah. So how we feel about Bo Brisky? He, 4-1-9 ERA, had, um, had uh, got reminded as I was reading the news story, had just the most bizarre circumstances of his first two starts with the uh with the Cabrera 3000 hits and and then at Dodger Stadium <laughs> going up against that team uh how do we feel about Bobrisky I mean I don't think you could ask much more out of Bobrisky this year I remember watching him in minor league minicamp just like carving up these high A double A hitters and being like okay, like, this kid is real. Like, not only did he have a, a good um, year last year in double-A, he looked a level above everyone in that mini camp. And sure enough, the Tigers saw the exact same thing in a combination of Brisky's performance and injuries. He was in the big leagues before uh, I think anyone would have would have reasonably guessed. And then in the big leagues, you know, kind of like a young pitcher of his ilk, Showed some good things, showed some bad things, struggled especially early in starts, but he had a knack for uh, getting better as the game went on. You know, his fastball is solid, has actually showed increased velo throughout the year. His changeup is, I think, arguably the best changeup in this entire organization right now. Um, The slider is the huge thing going forward. Can he make that uh, more of a consistent pitch? I think he has to do that to really be a guy. Uh, you would have liked to see him finish the year healthy, continue to build on what he what he's done, maybe get a little more consistent, better with the slider. Unfortunately, the forearm injury prevented him from from throwing after late July. Uh, but all in all, I don't think you could draw it up a whole lot better for Bobrisky this season. Made 15 starts in the major leagues and held his own. He's going to come into camp with a with a real shot um, at earning a rotation spot. Um, unless something un- unexpected happens in terms of the amount of acquisitions the Tigers make, I, th- I think you could pencil him in as your probably your number five starter. You know, someone's going to have to come unseat him, I would think. Yeah, and 
for a season that's been a disaster in in so many ways, those are the kind of things that uh, you know hold your head high about and and give you like a little glimmer of hope. It's like maybe this is like a potential piece uh, that or you know something that we stumbled. I don't want to say stumbled onto, but you know what I mean, like. A guy who kind of came in and forced his way into uh, into being a rotation guy or for its position player, like you know, in 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 the starting lineup and such. So, anything else, Cody? You wanted to get into anything you want to tease or plug? No, no, I I think that's it. How how was? Oh, let me ask you this: How was the the traffic around downtown Detroit with those uh, home Lions games and and Tigers games going on at the same time? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely missed the worst of it. I got there early, but they already had so many, like, roads closed and shut down. Just getting to the Tigers parking garage was, like, I didn't know which way to go. <laughs> and then I finally just chose a way, and, oh, the road was closed. And so, like, that was kind of a mess. Getting out, I got out just before the Lions game ended. I could see a lot of other people starting to head to their cars. Um, but got out of there before it got too bad and took Woodward and had pretty smooth sailing home. I bet if I would have waited even like 15, 20 more minutes, I, I might still not be home yet. So, <laughs> um, you know, definitely a lot of energy and action downtown and people are real excited about, about, uh, sports, you know, just happen to be all <laughs> lions and not, not tigers on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it would be quite a dream, although a lot more traffic if, uh, there was some sort of division race going on, and then a home game, uh, having having that much uh, activity in downtown Detroit probably would be a lot of fun. But I think I think maybe we should address. Arguably, the topic of the week was: Is it okay to turn on football in the Detroit Tigers press box? Uh, yes. Because this came up twice. There's a Tigers employee who turned it on the press box TV on Monday. Uh, my pal Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle put that out on Twitter. A few people were not too pleased about that. I think the employee <laughs> might have even got a little talking to. Well, on Sunday, there's there's kind of there's like the print and and PR sits, and then there's like a window, and there's kind of more of the broadcast side. Well, some of the broadcast people decided to turn on the Lions game in there. Chris <laughs> McCoskey pointed it out on Twitter, and I think it caused a little bit of a stir again. Uh, I think. If personally you want to watch football in the press box, it's 2022. We all have access to this stuff. Pull it up on your laptop. I think the press box TVs in the baseball game should be on on the baseball game. Um. Anyway, it was, it was, it was, it was fun drama to sit back and watch unfold. <laughs> Man, well, you got to get through these September games somehow. <laughs> got to have something to get a rise out of people. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree the, let the professional TVs be for the, like the, the professionals and then, yeah, phone, bring your, your tablet, your iPad or whatever, just put it on there. Like, I don't think anyone would really care that much, but little, little, little drama to get you through the week, I guess, you know, not, not too bad. So, all right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. You can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Five-star review if you feel so inclined. Subscribe to The Athletic so Cody can continue feeding his lovely dog, Olive, who has been such a good girl we haven't even had to mention her on the podcast in a while. So uh, 
like I said, thank you everybody for listening and have a great week. Bye.